Blog Talk Radio. If you enjoy mining for gold and silver out of God's holy word, you're going to love A Sheep Speaks with Denise Jeter. A Sheep Speaks combines great Bible truths you might not hear anywhere else with nuts and bolts testimonies of how these truths can be applied to your life. A Sheep Speaks with Denise Jeter. How do now. we fight the enemy of our souls and actually win the battle? What did Jesus come to do? And how are God's people destroyed? We're going to look at these questions and many others this morning as we talk about spiritual warfare. And we know that one of the main things that Jesus came to do was to destroy the works of the enemy. That's what the scripture says in 1 John 3, 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You see that right there? It says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And we read in Matthew three sixteen through 17, uh, we, it's talking about the fact that Uh, Just because we are being tempted by the devil does not mean that we are in disobedience. It says, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased But we see in the very next verse, in Matthew 4, 1, it said, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So right after the Lord said, This is my dear beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, the very next verse says, Then he was uh, brought up and to be tempted of the devil. And so once again, just because we're tempted of the devil, does not mean that we are not well-pleasing to the Lord. Actually, in reality, it probably means that we are well-pleasing if, to the Lord, if you go by this scripture. But we also see in Hosea 4, 6, it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, it doesn't say that my people are tempted because of lack of knowledge. It doesn't say that my people have a hard walk because of lack of, lack of knowledge. No, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So what does that tell you and I today? It tells us that we need to get in the word because just as Jesus was tempted in the desert by the enemy, every time he had three temptations there and every time he came back and got the victory over Satan, by quoting the word of God to him. And so if we know the word of God, when Satan comes in and tries to put these thoughts in our mind, we can come back with a tool. We'll be talking about these tools in a little while, a tool that will come against the enemy and get us the victory. And so that's the main thing is to, number one, know who your enemy is. You know, if we're fighting flesh and blood all the time, Satan is just sitting back in his easy chair having a good laugh. Because he sees that we are fighting the wrong enemy. 
You know, if we went over to at war and to fight the Russians, say, for example, and we got tripped up because there were some guys over there that were, they might have looked like Russians or we thought they were and we started fighting them, how much headway would we get in that battle? Well, we know not very much, right? And so we need to know who our enemy is and we need to know the proper tools in order to get to victory. And in, uh, and as we see, the enemy does not want you to know how much authority that you have in Jesus over him. You know, some translations remove or change the meaning of scriptures. If you happen to have a Strong's Concordance, you can look in the back of it and see there's many, many scriptures where in some of the more modern translations, the blood... And the word fasting, the fact of fasting, has been taken out of many scriptures. And why would Satan do that or put it in men's heart to do that? Because he knows the word of God says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And then there's another scripture that says sometimes demons and devils actually will not be cast out except but by prayer and fasting. And so fasting... And the blood of Jesus uh, are two of our most, uh, our greatest tools. And also, you know, a, a lot of knowing the word of God, because that is what has authority over him. So Satan does not want you to know about the authority you have in God. And we see this in, in Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. These verses will tell us where the Lord Jesus Christ is seated in heavenly places. And so we're reading in Ephesians 1.19, if you want to write this down. It's very good information if you have a battle with Satan. And a lot of us, if we're born again, you know, we were drafted into a war, whether we know it or not. And if you're not having a battle with Satan right now and you're a born-again child of God, believe me, it won't be long before you will have a battle with him. And so you need to write these verses down, Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. And it says, And what is exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So he set him at his right hand, but at that position of it, at being at his right hand, he is far above all of these principalities and powers. Not some of them, but all of them. And then we see in verse 22, and it says, And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all all things to the church. So that's three times he used that little three-letter word all in just these few verses. And then we see that it says in 123, that which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so he's letting us know that this is where Jesus is sitting. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father above all principalities and powers with all authority over every name that can be named. But this is the interesting part. If you look at Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, now it's going to tell us where we are seated. We, as born-again believers, 
And in Ephesians 2, 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Because, you know, it says, By grace are you saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So now, where does that place us? If we're sitting together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, and we know Christ Jesus is above all principalities and powers, then where are we sitting? Are we sitting above all principalities and powers also? I'd be hard-pressed for someone to convince me that I am not, as a born-again believer, sitting above all principalities and powers. And so if you write these verses down, and the next time Satan tries to uh, strong-arm you or tries to convince you that he has more power than you, go back and read these verses and meditate on them and just let the Lord show you where you are in this warfare what position you have, and what authority you have over Satan. So we're seated with Christ. And in Mark nine seventeen through 29, it's going to be talking about the enemy does not want us to know how much power there is in fasting. But before we get to those scriptures, I'd just like to mention something here. If you're listening to this program and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, none of these scriptures apply to you. So the enemy can really reap havoc in your life at his bidding. And so, but the good news is that the Bible says if we call upon the Lord and if we repent of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now you may say you haven't ever done anything really that bad and you don't really think of yourself as a sinner, but the scripture says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one holy, no, not one. And so if you are alive on this planet and you have not repented and asked the Lord to come into your life and save your soul and agreed with God that you are a sinner in need of a savior, then you are already condemned, the Bible says. But he sent his precious son with perfect, innocent blood to be shed for your sins so that you might be able to call upon the Lord and be saved. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So I invite you today, if you have not done that, you know, the Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. We have no promise of tomorrow. This is not something we can put off until tomorrow. We can't even put this off until later on this afternoon because we have no promise that we'll be here later on this afternoon. And so I invite you today. uh, Now you could pause this and uh, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and admit you are a sinner and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then all these promises that we are talking about will be yours. They will be yours because you are a born-again believer, a child of God who's been adopted in God's family. There's no one too good and there's no one too bad to be saved because the blood of Jesus cleansed us from all sins. So we're going to go ahead and pick back up in our passage here in Mark nine seventeen through 29. And this is a story about a man who brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples. 
and the disciples could not cast this demon out. Now, they had cast out many demons before, so they were pretty perplexed at this fact. And we'll see what happens in our story as we begin reading in Mark nine seventeen, And it says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And then in verse 19 it says, this is Jesus speaking, He answered him and saith, O faithless, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And you know, if we have a wayward child or we have a problem, that's a good word for us. He says, bring it to me. Cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. You know, the Lord says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, the Lord is telling this man to bring his demoniac son to him, and he will fix the problem. And he's telling us today to bring our problems. We may not have a demon-possessed son, but we may have other problems and other issues. And the Lord's inviting us to bring our issues to him and cast all our cares upon him today. And then in verse 20 it says, And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming and he asked his father how long this is jesus speaking again he asked his father how long is it ago since this came unto him or in other words how long has he been like this and he said of a child so this man's saying my son has been like this since he was a little child and so you can imagine how distraught this man is And now he's already been to the disciples and they can't cast him out. And so now he's hoping against hope that Jesus will be able to do it. And in verse 22, it says, And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe all things, are possible to him that believeth. So Jesus is saying, if I can do anything, he's saying, if you can believe, I can do anything. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And you know, that's a good lesson for us. Because when we first come to the Lord, sometimes our faith is not that strong because we haven't walked with the Lord. You know, you trust someone And trust is a thing you build over time. You know, you have a best friend that you've been friends with for a long time, and you're able to trust them because you know their character. And when we first come to the Lord, sometimes we have trouble trusting him. But the longer we walk with the Lord, the more we learn about his character, and the more we know we can trust him. And so he's saying, He's saying, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. You know, even if we think we believe, and it's something we really need the Lord to perform for us like this man needed, 
then we can we can pray that same prayer. We can say, I believe, Lord, but if there is any belief in me, please help thou mine unbelief because I need an answer to my prayer. Amen. And so it says, and straightway the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And so Jesus did exactly what the Father asked him to do because he had faith. And in verse 26 it says, And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, And he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? So the disciples were very confused because, like I said, they had cast out many demons in the past. And so they took Jesus off to the side and asked him in secret, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come out, can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And so sometimes, you know, there needs to be, there's always needs to be prayer, but sometimes there needs to be prayer and fasting. I know in my own life, there was a prayer I had prayed for many years and it didn't appear that it was being answered. And so I finally got to the place I was desperate enough to go on a fairly lengthy fast. And lo and behold, the Lord showed me exactly how to pray. Sometimes we pray amiss because we don't know how to pray. Fasting does not twist God's arm to get him to do what you want, but it can give you clarity of mind, and and it can make your flesh weak so that your spirit man is strong. And then you can hear from the Lord, and he can tell you how to pray. So fasting is, once again, like I said before, it's a wonderful tool to get us in tune with the mind of Christ. So what I was praying for, I did I was praying for the circumstances to get better, but the Lord showed me through my fasting what the root cause was. And when I knew how to pray against that root cause, that thing that I had been praying for for years came to pass because I knew the truth. I knew the reason these circumstances were bothering me so much. And the Bible says, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, it's just like when a medical doctor diagnoses someone. They can give medicine for the symptoms all day long and maybe help it out a little bit. But until they find out what's causing the problem and prescribe medicine or surgery or whatever it is for the, to take care of the root cause, all the, you know, treating the symptoms in the world is not going to help the person in the long run. And so that's kind of what fasting does. It will help you find out what the root cause is. Sometimes it's ourself, you know. Uh, many times my problems have been my attitude. And when I got my attitude right, everything else straightened up. You know, the Bible says that if a man's ways please the Lord, He will make even his enemies be at peace with him. So we may think it's this boss or this spouse or this child or whomever, and that's our problem, and they're just giving us trouble, and they 
they just they're disagreeable and we fight and argue all the time and then we go on a fast and we pray and we ask lord what is wrong why can't i get the victory over this person and he says if your ways please me i will make this person be at peace with you whether they want to be at peace with you or not i've seen that in my own life you know and that's what i was talking about trusting the lord so many times we trust the lord because we see him answer our prayers over and over again so we know that we can trust him that we can cast all our cares upon him and we have to be open if he's trying to tell us that we are the problem you know sometimes it's us sometimes it's someone else and a lot of times it's the enemy and that's why i'm talking about this spiritual warfare today because uh, we need to get the victory over the enemy and only the lord knows how to do that whether he has to correct something in us or whether he has to correct uh, something else, you know, and give us the truth, because the truth will set us free. And that's the one reason we should seek the Lord through his word, because the word gives us so much truth. You know, in Psalms 119, the entire psalm is about the word of God, how powerful it is, how much it will help us grow in the Lord. And in one passage, it says that the the word is actually the Lord, you know, it says that, uh, that we can trust him and we can count on his word and we can believe it. It says that God is not a man that he should lie, but we do know also that the enemy is the liar. He says that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And so, um, we can't trust the enemy, but we can certainly trust our Lord and savior. And like I said, I invite you again, if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, to invite him into your heart, repent of your sins, and ask him to forgive you. Now, as I do on every program, I have an apple of gold, a devotional in rhyme, to go along with our message today. And this one is going to be out of uh, apples, December the 20th. And it goes like this. It's always a scripture with a poem that goes with it. And uh, today our reading is Hosea 4.6, which we've already touched base with in our message here. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Seek the Lord with all your heart. From his knowledge do not depart. He will lead and guide us when his face we seek. He's the master teacher. His knowledge he will impart to keep the enemy from destroying us, to keep us from losing heart. So once again, there's no more important uh, tool than we can have than the word of God, the blood of the lamb, and fasting. And fasting, you know, there's many, there's several uh, examples of fasting. There's no set way to fast. There's no perfect fast. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the right fast. In the Bible, we find Moses and Jesus both fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And I definitely don't recommend that one unless you know that you've heard a word from the Lord calling you to that fast. But then we see in another situation where Daniel fasted, it says he fasted sweet bread for 21 days. 
And after 20, it says that the Lord heard his prayer the very first day, but that there was warfare trying to keep the answer from getting through to him and that he actually had to dispatch the archangel Michael to fight in this warfare. And on the 21st day, the answer came to Daniel, even though it was uh, it was uh, sent. The answer was sent on the very first day, but it took 21 days of spiritual warfare to get that answer to Daniel. And then, of course, we see Esther's famous fast, where her and her maidens fasted for three de- full days with no food or no water because she had to go into the king and ask a petition of him when she had not been uh, called by for the king. And so we know that in all three of these cases, the victory was won. And so if you trust in the blood of the lamb, you ask Jesus to be your personal savior and are covered in the blood. And if you fast and pray, and if you seek the Lord with your whole heart, he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you shall find me. We're instructed in one place in the Bible to seek him as gold and silver, as hidden treasure. And so we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that if we seek the Lord, we shall find him. And I want to encourage you today to stop by on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 a.m. for Apples of Gold. And uh, for a Sheep Speaks, and I'll be reading out of Apples of Gold, a devotional and rhyme. And I would like for you to follow me here. And if you would, like and share this program. And uh, our website is www.asheepspeaks.org. That's www.asheepspeaks.org. And there you will find links to our Facebook page. YouTube channel, and all of the contact information. I would be glad to come and speak to your church in any of your meetings or ladies' meetings. And uh, once again, I just want to let you know that Apples of Gold is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also through myself. If you get to my contact information and send me an email, I would be glad to let you know more about the book and how you can get a copy of that. And uh, we do have other products there on our website. And I just want to thank you for stopping by and invite you to uh, stop by again this Thursday.